Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college football, the NFL, the MLB, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 102. Happy World Series season. The start of the World Series has started since we've started recording this episode of the 8311Cast. How many times can you say started? <laughs> Three times. Because the third time is the charm. Here we're going to look at two two of the top paid players on the Dodgers versus the entire salary cap of Tampa Bay here. Clayton Kershaw and Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts? Mookie Betts combined. About $20 million, right? The entire Tampa Bay roster, $27 million. I can tell you right now, I will never make that amount of money in my entire life. That's just insane, the amount of these players get. Pretty cool, though, if you ask me. I mean, just think about that that difference, though, right? The Rays are a small market team who's consistently good. And here the Dodgers have had this enormous payroll for how many years? And they've won how many World Series? The answer is zero. They've won zero World Series because they always choke it away at the end of the World Series. And they, they've been three in three out of the last four World Series, right? Win. Yep. That just goes to show that no matter how many tax breaks the city of LA will give you for moving there, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a good still salty about the rent. It's fine. Yeah, I'm not salty at LA for that, though. I'm I mean, staying crunk. I mean, that's fair, but that was the reason. I mean, yeah. Okay. Anyway, anyway. I digress. We'll move they, also, they also just got a $5 billion stadium. But moving on to games that we care about more, care uh, we... We have a huge game on deck for Saturday. It is a top 17 matchup in the Big 12 as Iowa State visits Stillwater, Oklahoma and takes on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, It is Saturday at 2.30. Am I right there? Yep, Saturday at 2.30. what do you think? What do you think needs to happen for the Cyclones to win this ball game? So, unfortunately, I have not been able to watch a whole lot of Oklahoma State play thus far, so I am very unfamiliar with actually how they are running their offense as of right now. I have been watching a few other Big Twelve teams, but this is in part to Oklahoma State's season getting pushed back a lot due to COVID. Uh, happenings especially the entire Baylor roster pretty much having COVID at once uh but I think the key for stopping Oklahoma State obviously has to start with Chuba Hubbard uh Chuba Hubbard started as a uh first team all big 12 selection to begin the year he is in my opinion going into the year he's probably the most complete back uh in the big 12 I would say um he was just an absolute terror last year. Didn't he, didn't he almost run Eclipse 2,000 yards on the ground last season? Or it was well over 1,500, I believe, uh, for Chuba Hubbard and Oklahoma State. So I think first and foremost, we have to be stout against the run uh, and put the ball into Spencer Sanders' hands. And yes, Spencer Sanders will be back uh, as presumably as Mike Gundy um alluded to they did lose him uh a couple weeks ago but Mike Gundy did leave the door open saying that they will use 
the hot hand at quarterback in the game. So look for them to possibly mix in a little bit of their backup quarterback, depending on how practice goes for Oklahoma State. But I think it's all going to start with stopping Chuba Hubbard and the run, and that is going to limit the play-action deep passes, which Iowa State was beat on a lot last year in Ames. Yeah, that was going to be my key, too, is limiting the big play on play-action pass was going to be my big key game, right? It's going to be very tempting for Iowa State, right, to just stack that box, go downhill trying to stop Chuba Hubbard. And, I mean, you're going to have to stop him, but – what you can get burned in play action pass. If you do that, you have to prevent the um, play action pass. You have to, I mean, this defense does what this defense does best is stop big plays and they're going to have to continue to do that. Um, if they're going to beat Oklahoma state, I think the offense is going to be fine. I think Brock Purdy and Brees Hall are going to be able to do their thing and the offense will be fine, but we can't get into a shootout with Oklahoma state. We're going to lose a shootout in Stillwater if we get it. We can't get into a, into a shootout, so the defense is going to have to limit big plays just like they've been doing for the most part all year. That's going to be the key. I, I honestly think in order to really put a limit on the offense that the defense is going to have to somehow find a way to force a turnover. Um, I think whoever – I mean, it is – I think that the first defense that comes away with a turnover in this game is going to have a real advantage. Um, in this football game. And I also think that Iowa State has to be very, very solid uh, when it comes to not making mental mistakes that they can uh, keep from happening. So no penalties, or I shouldn't say no penalties, but limit the dumb penalties, like illegal formations, false starts, uh, that kind of stuff, especially like that, that one illegal formation that where the Cyclones didn't get a touchdown against Texas Tech, but then a blocked field goal was taken mm-hmm. the other way. If that happens against Oklahoma State, you can probably kiss this game goodbye because Oklahoma State is a more opportunistic team and they will definitely take advantage of those circumstances. And they it'll just be foot on the gas the entire game from there on. Whereas we got fortunate against Texas Tech in that scenario. Yep. Limiting mistakes, also going to be a very good point. Um, other news across the Big 12, neither Oklahoma nor Texas lost last week. Um, partially, Yay for the Red River rivalry teams. Yeah, partially, you know, because they didn't play. But, you know, hey, not losing is good for them, both sitting at 2-2 two and two right now. I would suggest continuing to not lose if I were them. And I guess other news against the Big 12, I actually did watch a little bit of the only game that happened this weekend, uh, which was Kansas at West Virginia. Kansas's defense actually came to play in the first half. Um, but they then, tell them there's two halves? Y- yeah, they forgot to tell them that there was two halves. Well, and also the fact that their offense only had six yards through the first, like, 20 minutes of the second half. So their defense was on the field the entire time. You can't win a game when your defense is doesn't get a breather. Uh, so yeah, they got ran out of West Virginia in the second half. And news just got worse for Kansas um, today when their um, all big 12 running back Puka Williams decided to opt out for the remainder of the season to um, spend some time with his ailing mother down in Louisiana. So Puka Williams um, season and perhaps college career. 
depending on if he decides to go pro after this year or not. Um, maybe over as he opts out for the year of KU. I mean, basically that just destroys any chance KU had of actually winning a game this another game this year. Like they, they he's their best player. They needed to keep him there, and he's just not going to be. And uh, news broke. Didn't you break this news to us last week that K State's all American uh, kick returner, punt returner? Yes. Uh, entered the transfer portal as well. Yes, I don't know where he ended up, but yes, he has. He did enter the transfer portal. So not a good time to be a uh, Kansas football team. A Sunflower uh, rivalry team there? Yeah, they play each other this week. They I do. He's going to win. I, do. I think it'll be an easy win for K-State. I mean, yes, I agree. KU's bad. We just got done talking about it. Um, yes. Other things across college football, the Big Ten starts this week. They'll open up on Friday um, with at least one game on Big Ten plays a lot of Friday games this year, which I'm not a fan of. Like I get it, but also like no, don't. High school foot Fridays are for high school football. Don't play college football on Fridays. Okay, bye. That's the end of that rant. Um, but the Big Ten does open up this week, so we get to take a look at the five Big Ten top 25 teams here for the first time this week and see how they do. And uh, two teams that are ranked actually in the top 10, actually, in Ohio State and Penn State without even playing a game so far. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll see how accurately they are or are not ranked um, at the end of this week. Yeah. So. And, of course, on next week's episode, we'll break down everything that happened in that Oklahoma State game, um, good or bad for the Cyclones. Hopefully good because then I'm going to be very happy. Otherwise, I might be very sad. Like we've said, if we win this game, we are in the driver's seat for the Big 12. So, If you win this game and don't go to the Big 12 championship game, I'm going to lose my head. Literally. I don't know where it'll end up. Well, uh, I mean, hopefully Iowa State continues to play well for you because your other football team that you are a big fan of is, I mean, there's, there's no silver lining to it. They are terrible. They, are they dead? Are the Vikings dead? I, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out what happened on Sunday. I mean, they, obviously they came out and they didn't play well. I mean, that's a problem. Kirk Cousins can't turn the ball over that many. You threw a pick on the first play. How do you throw a pick on the first play? I didn't even turn the game on yet. And we'd already turned the ball over. Yeah. Kirk Cousins. That, that doesn't usually lend to a good game going. Yeah, Kirk Cousins has been a disaster this year. Um, I would advocate for benching him, except your backup is not like a hotshot young quarterback who might have potential anyway. I mean, your backup is Sean Mannion. He ain't, he's a backup quarterback, right? He's, he's there for in case we're competitive and Kirk Cousins got hurt. Obviously, we're not competitive. I mean, you can bench him, but what for, Right. You, you, you've got nothing to prove for your backup quarterback. So it's really useless to bench Kirk Cousins at this point. Maybe the silver lining though in this is that y'all drafted a stud as a wide receiver. Yes. Justin Jefferson was amazing. He had over a hundred yards and two touchdowns again uh, this week playing really well. Um, and Hey, the Vikings will probably draft highly again in this or highly in this next draft be able to draft a stud. The one thing I do want to complain about with the Vikings is their play calling inside the 10. 
Um, so last week against the, the Seahawks, right, when they went forward on fourth down, they are needing half a yard. And the left side of the offensive line is obviously the better side for the Vikings, but they ran to the right. I have no idea why they do it. This time on fourth and one from the five, they go into the wishbone. Like, when was the last time you saw the wishbone run in the NFL? It's been a while. Yeah. Like, why are you going to the wishbone in such a big play? Especially in an area where you run the five wide spread more often than the I form. Yeah, you should not should not be running the wishbone on a big play early in the game. They need to figure out their short yardage package and not try to get so cute. You got one of the best fullbacks in the league. Use him. He wasn't even on the field. Anyway, I digress. Congratulations on the Falcons and getting your first win. Uh, I guess those players wanted to prove that it uh, was Dan Quinn's fault and not their fault that they sucked. Yeah. I mean, Matt Ryan was good against a pretty bad um... – I would say secondary for the Minnesota Vikings, especially on the outside. Yeah. Uh, Matt Ryan, 30 for 40 for 371 and four passing touchdowns. Uh, help Matt Ryan very good game. Into the game. Mike, third year corner, Mike Hughes was the Vikings veteran cornerback and he left in the second quarter. So two rookies and a safety were the Vikings three corners um, for most of that game. So that probably helps if, if you're a quarterback. So, yeah. Not good. This team's not good. Not good. Time to tank for Trevor. Uh, speaking of Trevor, he threw for over 370 yards in the first half uh, this weekend. So yeah, uh, he is looking like a very, very uh, NFL-ready quarterback coming out next year, uh, unless he decides to go back because he doesn't want to go to the Jets. Because the Jets stink around the league, though, Uh Tom Brady and the Gronk connection is back. They uh, continue to hook up. They are one of the uh, all-time uh, connections uh, between a quarterback and a receiver slash tight end uh, in NFL history. The Tampa Bay defense actually stunned uh, the Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers threw a pick six deep in uh, their own territory. And then on the next possession, he threw another interception uh, the Tampa Bay defense had a very good game plan. Uh, Todd Bowles is a great defensive coordinator, and everyone talks about the offense for Tampa Bay, but their defense is stout and solid. Um, one thing that was to note out of this, the Packers are 0-3 in their last three seasons coming off of bye weeks, so bye weeks don't usually treat them very well. Uh, in my opinion, it is the Green Bay defense will keep them from being legitimate Super Bowl contenders this season. That defense has holes like Swiss cheese everywhere, uh, and they they just can't seem to get stops really, and are relying too much on their offense, um, a la the Chiefs a couple of years ago. So, yeah, that recipe doesn't usually work out. Moving on to Tennessee versus Houston. This was actually probably one of the most exciting and enticing games to watch uh, this weekend, actually in the early window, uh, as Houston traveled to Nashville. Um, And the thing that I wanted, it was a shootout, especially at the end of the game, went into overtime. But the thing that I want to talk about is a loophole that Mike Vrabel exploited uh, in this game. So late in the game, it was second down and one for the Houston Texans uh, with the clock running. He rushes a uh, number 46 
a 12th man onto the field uh, to get them a five-yard penalty and stop the clock, giving them an automatic first down. He figured that uh, Houston was probably going to score anyway, so he wanted to save at probably around 40 seconds off the clock because when you get that first down, uh, more time is going to run off, and then you're going to run more time off in the ensuing uh, series. Um, so they got the penalty for 12 men. The defense is super confused. Mike Vrabel actually plays it off pretty well. He blows up on the sideline. Uh, and he, he just knew Houston would score. So he wanted to save time on the clock. The end result was Tennessee scoring with four seconds left in the game, uh, tying up the, uh, game and sending it into overtime. And that move saving them about 40 seconds probably ended up winning them that game. Great coaching, great idea in the heat of it by Mike Vrabel. Uh, Pittsburgh versus Cleveland was hyped up as the uh, game in the AFC North to watch out for, and it was an absolute blowout. The Cleveland Browns are probably the most fake team uh, at the top of the AFC right now. They have been steamrolled by both Baltimore and Pittsburgh in that division, so it is clear that they are still not a premier team in the AFC North. Uh, The Chiefs on Monday night for their third Monday night game of the season handle the Buffalo Bills. Uh, It was was pretty close in the first half. Uh, This game was – it was a rainy, cold game – and Clyde Edwards-Alaire took over for the Chiefs. So he was playing against a light box the entire game. They were dropping eight into coverage and uh, forcing Patrick Mahomes to either dink and dunk or not have uh, down-the-field plays. So as Patrick Mahomes said after the game, if you're going to throw out a light box on us, we're going to run the ball. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was, had 26 attempts for 161 yards. He averaged 6.2 yards per carry. Uh in the game and did not end up with a touchdown, but the chiefs offensive line paved the way as the chiefs had 176 rushing yards before first contact uh, in this game, showing that the bills were selling out for the pass and got absolutely beat by the run. Uh, Josh Allen didn't look like the Josh Allen in weeks one through three. He looked like the uh, pretty poor Josh Allen of years past and in the Tennessee game. So MVP Josh Allen by the wayside, San Francisco bounces back as they handled LA in the Sunday night game uh, pretty handily. And the NFC East, there's no sugarcoating it. They stink. Like it smells in the NFC East. The, and the Cowboys get blown out by the Cardinals, but are still leading the division at two and four. It, it's ridiculous. And according to uh, 538's predictions, they have uh, the Eagles at, with the highest percentage to win that division at 52% with a predict- predicted record of 6, 9, and 1. That would have to be the worst record to ever make the playoffs. Yes. So 6, 9, and 1. And they're predicting that the Cowboys finish the season 6 and 10. So mm-hmm. it is it is garbage city in the NFC East, the Eagles gave it everything they had against the Ravens. Uh, They were blown out at the beginning of the game. They mounted a comeback, but on a absolutely terrible exchange as Carson Wentz and Boston Scott trip over each other, going for two 
to tie the game late. Uh, it just looked like the uh, clearly the Eagles are the inferior compared to the Ravens, which is pretty much how it should be. And uh, in breaking news on Tuesday, October the 20th, it is two a time in Miami in two weeks. Uh, Fitz Magic is out and Tua Tagovailoa is in uh, at the end of their week six game. Uh, Tua did come in for the final series uh, and threw two passes, I believe, had uh, either one or one completion, I think, in that series. But the Dolphins, I guess, think that it is time to put Tua in uh, as I mean, there was no hiding it. Tua was the future quarterback for the Dolphins when you draft him with the six overall pick uh, in the 2020 NFL draft. And the Dolphins, as an organization, feel like it is. So look for that as they get back onto the field in week eight after their bye weekend. Yep, we will keep an eye, of course, on the NFL as it goes forward. And hopefully, um, like this week, we continue with COVID not playing huge impact on the schedule. The only COVID impact on the schedule this week was that Chiefs game moving from Thursday to Tuesday or to Monday. And that was because they weren't going to make the Bills play two games in three days after playing Tuesday last week. So that was only indirectly related to COVID. So let's hope that stays the case as we move on to the next week. But Major League Baseball has successfully navigated their playoff bubble, avoiding COVID. Um, And we've navigated all the way to the World Series. As Wyatt hinted on in the intro, um, the two teams in the World Series are the Dodgers versus the Rays. Um, How we got here, two awesome championship series. Both the ALCS and the NLCS went seven games. Um, And I think they, and both of those game sevens were pretty, pretty fantastic. the Rays jumped up early on the Astros um, and then tried to give it away late in the game, but they managed to hold on to get the win and advance in game seven. Um, and Atlanta was the one who jumped out to the early lead um, in game seven against the Dodgers. Um, but because of some bad base running, um, some really good Dodgers defense and some timely Dodgers hitting, um, they were able to come back uh, the Dodgers were able to come back and win that game seven, four to three. Boy, was Atlanta's base running terrible in that game. I just can't get over the f- Atlanta lot. Yeah. Atlanta should have won that game if they just played good fundamental ball and they just didn't like they, they, they choked away that series. It yeah. goes, it goes to show how like one bad play can really expound and like lead and just really flip a series potentially around in the postseason. Like in the, in the regular season, you have one bad play and you can easily overcome it. Teams have bad teams have bad days. You have a bad day in the postseason. It could really affect the outcome of that five, three, five or seven games. Yes. Yes, it can. Um, So the world series is underway and this will be the first playoff series not played in consecutive days. Um, They are doing much more of a traditional World Series schedule. Um, So I believe they've got um, 
It's yep, two so games, games on. One and two followed yep. by an off day, then games three, four, and five followed by an off day, and then games six and seven, a much more traditional World Series schedule um, for, for this. So I don't know. It'll be close. My money's still on the Rays. I think the Rays are going to win. Um, I don't know what you two have to say, but I'm still, I'm still going to bet on the Rays. So the way that I look at this series, I give offense to LA. I think they have the better one to nine uh, roster. The Rays are getting absolutely trash production from six through nine hitters. Uh, It is only the top that is doing it. I give starting pitching. I give the edge of that to actually, I'm going to give that to the Rays and bullpen. I'm going to give to the Rays as well. And in my opinion, bullpens win games in the postseason. I am saying that the Rays are going to win in seven. That is my prediction. Wyatt, what about you? Um, didn't I already say the Dodgers are going to win like a couple weeks back? You did. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to stick with that one. And I think, what did I say, five? I think I is what I said. Well, whatever I said a couple weeks I, ago is what I'm sticking to. I'm sticking I to my guns. Before the season started, you said the Angels were going to be in the World Series, though. I do remember that. Right, oh, yeah. right, city. Um, eh. but the but the team in blue, not the team. Oh, wow. I like the red uniforms better than the blue ones, though. I do too. Uniforms. Just saying. So, um, yeah, we will keep you informed on next week's episode. Odds are the World Series will probably be over. Well, maybe depends. The World Series might be over by the time we bring you next week's episode. So whether it is or isn't, we will bring you an update on what's going on and maybe a new World Series champion. If it goes to a game six or seven, it will not. uh, We will be talking about six or seven on next week's episode. Mm -hmm. But moving on to everyone's favorite segment, Mike's Stupid Rules. We are going to talk about something that came up during that Packers um, Buccaneers game on Sunday. And that's about a quarterback um, giving himself up, whether that needs to be sliding, diving headfirst, et cetera, et cetera. The game, uh, the play we're referring to is the play in the first quarter where Aaron Rodgers dived for the end zone. It was originally ruled a touchdown on the field. Also, he got lit up by former gopher Antron Winfield Jr. on the play. Go Antron Winfield, a way to light up Aaron Rodgers. Um, um, it was ruled a touchdown on the field. Upon review, it was um, said that his knee was down before the goal line, but he wasn't touched, right? If you look at the replay, he was not touched before, um, um, before his knee touched the ground. So, Wyatt, you have a definitive answer as to why he was called down, even though he was not touched in that case. I'm not Gene Steratore, so I can't say it's definitive, but this is my interpretation of what happened. If we look at the 2020 NFL rulebook, and just to preface, I'm going to read two rules for you, only two dry rules we have to read. Uh, in 2020, the, the rule is Rule 7, Section 2, Article 1, uh, Subsection D, Part 2. Uh, this is saying a runner can declare himself down, any runner, not just a quarterback, any, any runner is declared down by sliding, and sliding is defined as um, – when they slide, the ball is dead the instant that the runner, any part of the runner touches the ground besides his hands or feet, right? So in this case, it was your knee. You know, if your ankle touches the ground when you're in the slide, that that's when you are declared down. There isn't actually any nomenclature on giving yourself up. There's just nomenclature on declaring a runner down 
when, um, when sliding, right? And, and that makes sense in this case, because like you said, Aaron Rodgers' knee touched the ground. In 2018, this was a huge thing where everyone's saying that you can now declare a quarterback is where it comes into play. A quarterback is declared down when they dive head first. And that's partially true. It's only when they touch the ground. If we look at the 2017 rule book, the year before this was changed, the same rule, rule seven, section two, article one, subsection D part two, only defines sliding as sliding feet first. So the only change that was made from 2017 to 2018 is that sliding can be defined in any direction. So even if you slide, quote unquote, laterally uh, and touch the ground, you're, you're down. Um, that's all that the rule changes. There isn't any, any real definition of giving yourself up by a, you know, a, a certain motion. It's the motion that you do and then contact the ground. Does that, does that kind of make sense? So he wasn't down because he dove. He was down because he dove and then touched the ground with his... Correct. As soon as he touches the ground while diving, yep. he is down. Agreed. That that was also my interpretation of the rule as it was changed in 2018, before the 2018, as you pointed out. Um, I agree. So yes, that is why Aaron Rodgers was down in that case, despite not being touched. There you go. So Packers fans, stop complaining. It was the right call. Plus you scored a touchdown on the next play anyway. You don't yeah. have anything to complain about. Plus your team sucks. Well, at least they did this week. Just stop. I think I think they might have an argument and say that a four and one record is a little bit better than a one and five record, Mike. Yeah, but they still suck. Hey, they're in second place to the Bears. Yeah, they're in second place to Big Dick Nick and the Chicago Bears. So you know, and also yikes, you won two of those games. Don't forget about him. Yeah. Uh. Sure. Hey, yeah, the mo- he's going to be a forgotten quarterback in the NFL going forward. Like he wasn't great. I'm not saying Mitch Trubisky was great, but he didn't suck. Uh, no, no but um, I'd like to talk about last season and how terrible he was then. But we probably don't have enough time for that as Mike. You have to hold us accountable to a few other things that we do on this podcast. I do. We got two predictions that came off the board um, this week. One from Wyatt, who predicted that Joe West would not umpire a World Series or League Championship Series game. Um, That is actually correct. He was not on any of those crews. 21 umpire assignments, he was not on any of them. So for that, Wyatt gets a ding, 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 ding. Second prediction off the board is one from Kyle a couple weeks ago. He predicted his fantasy football team would score the second fewest points. Um, the next two weeks or the next four weeks, uh, he ended up scoring the second most points this week and, uh, and lost. lost. So, you know, that's just like insult to injury. You write that down, prediction is wrong, and you still lost. So, suck it. Nah. 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 Uh, there is no way I should have been in that game to start with, with the roster that I have. But yeah, sometimes fantasy football is a strange game, Kyle. Yeah, it sure is. Well, uh, as fantasy football is a strange game, so is the NFL. And my prediction this week is that the New York football smells like the worst garbage ever Jets are going to go 0-16. Everyone is trying to fly their way out of New York right now and get away from the Adam Gase uh, cloud of suck that is 
over New York right now. Uh, and just a little bit of background for you all. Uh, 538 currently has the New York Jets uh, win projection as 2-14. and 14. Uh, I actually went through game by game, and their highest chance of winning is 44% in singular game as of right now. Um, boy. I would like it to happen, to be honest. That's so bad, but I think this is probably still a triple, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so yeah. since 1944, only five teams have posted winless seasons in the NFL. The 1960 Dallas Cowboys, the 76 Buccaneers, 82 Baltimore Colts, the 08 Lions, and the 2017 Browns. Yeah, I think this is still a triple, even though they're bad. It's, I think, still a triple. Yeah, I would agree. All right, triple it is for that one. Um, I'm also making predictions about bad football teams. I am predicting that the Vikings will have a top five pick in this year's NFL draft. Vikings top five pick. Are they really that bad? Like, I haven't watched any. I don't even know what's going on at the moment. Uh, well, so like, according, to five, according to 538, they have the win projection at 5-11 and 11 for the Minnesota Vikings. There are uh, – they give that same projection to three other teams, the Houston Texans and the Atlanta Falcons. There are only one, two – Oh, excuse me. There are three other teams. Actually, they have the Washington football team listed at 5-11 and 11 as well. There are currently four teams that they have projected with a worse record. It is the Bengals, the Giants, the Jets, and the Jags. Um, so, as another reference, ESPN's Football Power Index, there's an article on ESPN on this today. It says the Vikings' average draft position would be 10th. And the odds that they get a top five pick are fifteen point five percent. Yeah, based on these records and the fact that they get to play the Lions a couple times, still. Wait, have are, they played the Lions yet? No, nor have they played the Bears. So this is probably double, triple territory. I'm right? thinking triple. It's, yeah, it's fifteen point five percent. That should be squarely in triple territory. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's that's what I think. That's fine. Sweet. I am not going to make a prediction about a bad football team. I'm going to make a prediction about a good football team. I'm going to say that Iowa State beats Oklahoma State. Next, not, not this, yeah, this coming weekend. Um, ESPN's Football Power Index gives Iowa State a 26% chance to win that game. Um, I think it's probably slightly higher than that. I would, too. I think that's because, a little generous. So first of all, um, how many fans are there at Oklahoma State? Keep uh, in mind, we're also biased here. Um, about 13,000 out of 55,000 in the stands at Oklahoma State. So it'll it'll still be – they're a rowdy, rambunctious crowd. Um, double or triple for that. What is the what's – the, what's the line at? Uh, Oklahoma State by three and a half last time I looked. I saw four. Still three, it's three and a half right now. It very well may have been four at one point. Yeah. It's three and a half right now. Uh, double or triple. This is a tough one. Why? What were you hoping for? A double or triple. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thanks for, thanks for that. Uh, you know, it's on the road. 
it's not at home. If it was at home, I might give it a double. I think a road game maybe bumps it. We'll give it a triple just because I want us to have three triples today. I like it. Oh, uh, side note, what is the over-under on that game? Over-under on that. Oopsies, I'm throwing my uh, – I would probably uh, say uh, – my guess is 55. 55 and a half. 52 and a half. Ah, shoot. 52 and a half. Close. I still think it's a little high. I'd probably take the under. Anyway – do we have anything from Josh this week? I heard from him. He uh, did not come up with the prediction for us this week, but he is alive. He is doing well. Perfect. That means, like you said, we got three triples to close out our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 102 of the 8311 cast. We appreciate you guys sticking around. Make sure to check back in next week for episode 103, because that's the next one of the sequence. Signing off for the 8311 cast with your hosts. Matt Campbell, Kyle Mush, and Jamie Pollard. We'll talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. I couldn't figure out what to you say. You should have said Brock Purdy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>